You're celebrating. It's okay. Don't worry. You can sneak down to the bar after everyone else is asleep. Come on, you've been sober for three days now. Let's stop this nonsense. Have a good night's sleep and have a drink. Come on. You're having a hard day. It's okay. I mean, how big of a deal is 4.5% alcohol, really? You're on holiday. What goes on tour stays on tour. Come on. They're all going to judge you for not drinking. You know what would go great with this boredom? Chardonnay. You've gone so long without a drink now. You surely can, you can moderate at last. Come on, try it. Nobody's going to know. I could have stopped before. I just didn't want to. Come on, you've been sober for five days now. Stop this nonsense, have a drink. Five days, come on, give it up. Just one is okay. As long as you don't get wasted, we're at a party. If I drink again, it'll be different now because I know more. I have evolved. Just try drinking at weekends. I'm sure it'll be okay. You don't really have a problem. Maybe I'll only drink when it's really cold outside, like when we're camping. You know, for survival. It's your birthday, for God's sake. Once a year, that's all right. It complements the food. You never have steak. It goes so well together. You know what would go great with this dress? Chardonnay. God, I'm so stressed. Just a little bit of relief will do. Come on, have, have one. But it's girls' night. It's date night. It's Christmas. We're at the barbecue. It's a party. Who would have to die for me to justify a legit relapse? It's an away day football game with the boys. Come on. This has to be a drink time. Just one with the boys. I'm going to start again tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do. I'll just start tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, if I was dreaming about mimosas, maybe that's the universe telling me to have one. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we should wrap it. I was at the end of my list. Okay, so oh, yeah, you're hanging. Is. You're yeah, hanging with. No way. <laughs> you're hanging with the sober baddies. Trigger warning. Today we're talking about the addict voice. I hope you're still sober after that. <laughs> oh, they will be. I mean, it's um. The attic voice is a very real thing. And I mean, I just got to 19 months and I'm still struggling with the attic voice, but I know people who are two months and they don't struggle with the attic voice as much. So it's really, I think, very individual. Mm-hmm. So we're here. I'm here with uh, Elaine Schuyler Neal. And I'm and, with Malloy. And, and we, we are here with the original sober bad boy, Shiki. Good afternoon, girls. Nice to meet you. So this glad you're here, dude. <laughs> So we're here to talk about the addict voice today. And if you were listening to that, um, I'm sure that some of the things we just said rung true with some of the things you've heard in your head, among others. And uh, we're going to talk about the addict voice today. We got we got our guest bad boy on here with us. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, let's jump right into it. So yeah, do you get the bad. Do you get that uh, bad boy very often? <laughs> the sober, yeah, do you get called that? Shit? The sober bad boy. Do you get that very often? It's the first time. It's the first time ever. <laughs> I, 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 it just sort of came out. I didn't plan it. It wasn't on my list. No, I mean, I meant, do you get your inner addict voice very often? Oh, I think it totally sober bad boy totally fits you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's wearing wayfarers and a leather jacket right now, folks. <laughs> uh, so, Shiki, do you get the attic voice? 
do I get it? Yeah. When does it come to you? Does it is it is it a problem for you? Does it crop up? Yeah, it, it is. Without a doubt, of course it is. I mean, it's put it this way. I mean, you get to a stage now where you can put the anti voice in its cage, you know, but you can never really gag it. You know, it's, it's there. It's all there all the time. You know, um, I thought I was done with it. I thought I was. I thought I was so far down the line that I could sort of get on with life quite easily. And I, I remember at Christmas, I um, I started to step back a little bit from uh, the app um, and Zoom meetings. Started to withdraw. I thought, you know, I, I'm done with this now. Like, how long have I got to do this for? Like, constantly thinking about sobriety, constantly thinking about it 24-7, you know, all over Christmas, texting people on the app, etc. I thought, you know, I'm done now. Let's just try and withdraw and take a step back from sobriety. So I've done that. I stopped going to Zooms about two months before anyway. Um, I wasn't talking to you much, so you was on holiday, I was on holiday. Uh, I just sort of started to slowly disconnect from the community. Um, and within about, I suppose, four weeks, five weeks, it was there, it was coming back, it was coming back. Not, 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 not knocking, he's knocking at the door again. It kept coming back into me. Um, after only a few weeks, it's sort of like, it wasn't, it was still in the cage for sure. That you knew that I let my guard down, so that's that's the thing, really. You can't start, you can't really let your guard down because the voice is always going to be there. But it is for me. Let's face it, we're only five minutes sober. I'm only five minutes sober. Like Boom. I'm not. What I'm we babies. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I decided. Right, I, I recognise this that the voice is coming back, and they say that a relapse happens about five weeks. It starts. Yep. The all starts to roll out five weeks before you actually pick up. And I learned from that because I, I learned from experience. I, I, when I relapsed, I started thinking about it five weeks beforehand. Yeah. Um, so I recognised it again. I thought, right, this is happening again. So I, I, I started then connecting straight away and got straight back into it. Um, and back on top, and, you know, if there's one thing I'd rather think about, I'd rather think about sobriety 24-7 all the time and not think about it and let that voice slip back in because when he does come back in he's conniving he comes he comes here so yeah. yeah it sounds to me like well and i i think we all know from experience that like the work that we do on ourselves in sobriety um it displaces the addict voice where the more you're doing that there's not really room for that addict voice but when you're not talking to someone you're not going to meetings you're not like i don't know reading or journaling or whatever it is you do there's space you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. 100%. I love that analogy that you used just now, the the caged. Caged. By the way, should should we be calling ourselves sober babies instead of sober baddies? That is so good. Oh my God. (laughs) That is so good. I love that analogy though, because, you know, people talk about complacency a lot in our space and that's a great way to visualize complacency. I think with that, like personification of part of yourself in a cage is just waiting for the moment that you step, your guard steps away. Cause mm-hmm. I was really surprised when it does, it feels like, and everybody's journey is so different, but it feels like in my case, like um, things will be going along for a long, long time. And then when it comes back in, it comes back hard, you know, and it won't necessarily be, um, I loved all of those things that we all round robin, but sometimes it's not even a voice. Sometimes it's a visual, you know, it'll be like, I'll be seeing somebody sitting on top of a lovely deck overlooking the mountains with a glass of wine. And, mm. and then my brain is just filled with these visuals of yep. that could be you and where could you be? And, and then I start mm-hmm. imagining myself 
climbing up a mountain with a bottle of wine. Like that's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> You're fantasizing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My brain will go there. It's very easy to get into that fantasy mode if I don't have, um, it, yeah. And it just seems like when it clicks into that mode, it's, it's hard. I also feel like that thing that Shiki said about how a, a relapse usually is about five or six weeks in the making. And I feel like one little addict voice or one little visual, it just kind of gets its, it's like a root, like it just kind of gets its foot in the door and you kind of go and you kind of brush it away, but then it sort of gets traction and it tries to kind of grab on and just get a little bit bigger, you yeah. know, like those popcorn kernels in Attack of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> they, they glom on and they don't feel like much. And then they start to grow and fester and then they, it's a problem. But when it comes, like as you just said there, Elaine, uh, when you get that fantasy and it does happen, I, when, when, it, when that comes, I remember Peanut saying once in one of her podcasts, you've got 20 seconds to slam that down. You can let it all go around your head yeah. for a little fantasy we, we all do it like if i see someone in a beer garden drinking outside like that in a pub i think oh man it was so nice in the sun it looks so good i used to enjoy doing that why can't i do that and you sort of you start saying to yourself someone fair why can't i do that yeah everyone fantasize. else is doing it <laughs> that's it yeah and you fantasize about it but you have um and peanuts right you, you know you got about 20 seconds to slam that down as drifter says you gotta slam that against the wall you gotta try and get that out of your mind as soon as possible say right and get back in charge yeah so back in charge is you know, in control um, yeah. as soon as you can because once they, he starts and his imagination starts flying away it's a slippery slope but we all do totally. we'll still, we'll still do it and that's why you have to yeah you got to nab it you got to get it before mm-hmm. it starts to mm-hmm. gain power mm-hmm. well, okay um, so who who is your addict voice do you have what do you how do you see it what is it I don't really have a visual for it. I, I, if I if I could visualise it, I just see it in a cage. I, just, I, just, I see a cage, and yeah. I'm sort of in charge of the cage. I've got the keys, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge. Um, if I could see it, it'd be like a little gremlin or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All I know is I mean, when I last slipped back in, oh, nine months ago, actually, um, he he got let out. And the thing is, when once he's out of that cage, he, he runs wild. He really does. He, he, he throws your mind all over the place. It, you're no longer in control. You've got to try and get the keys back. And he's, he's like a little gremlin running around with the keys. Like, you can't catch me. You know, you think, <laughs> think you've got it. But and you, it's hard to catch him and get him back in there because he's out. Yeah. He's out running around in your brain. Um, yeah. So I see a little gremlin, really. I've not, I haven't got a name for like a wine or anything like that. It's just a, a little gremlin in your voice, in your voice, in, in, your, voice, in, in your brain. Yeah, yeah. Elaine, what about you? Well, I want to say something else too about Drifter because we were talking about this podcast going on and the visuals just going stepping back one quick sec because Mm -hmm. when um, he was talking about to me and this is what gave me the idea to talk about this, he got this visualization of this boat. Uh, He was going into pre-retirement, you know, he just bought a house, um, free and clear, they're moving, they're in the midst of it all. And um, he was picturing himself on this boat, mm-hmm. having beers. And, and he talked about how that stayed for like a week and how hard that was to wrestle out of his brain, um, the visuals. And he said, and he talks to his attic voice, which I think is really interesting. He almost like sets it aside and talks to it directly, like out loud, you know, which 
<laughs> might sound a bit mental if you're in no, the No, I think it's helpful. <laughs> I think it's an evolved right. way to deal with it. But and so going. he told his, his attic voice, he said, oh yeah, I'm going to name that boat the SS Sobriety or Sobriety, I think is what he called it. And I just thought that was awesome. And then it kind of faded away after that. And I thought that that was really brilliant. And, and just, um, but yeah, I don't know, like you, I don't have... Uh, I used to call my um, my attic voice Mrs. Waterford from the from the Handmaid's Tale because she's like this beautiful, cunning kind of conniving evil doer in the show. But but actually, I I it benefits me more now to isolate sections of my ego, and I take hyper looks at like how my ego is and just how um, and separating that out from my my what I perceive is my inner self because what I've learned in doing that and some of all the works with Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and I don't know if either of you read any of that stuff but it's go Elaine I'm going but I was just gonna say that um that uh when I do that I've learned so much about this self that I only identify part with like my sometimes my inner self is a lot more snarky and kind of pessimistic um, like I'll react to things that I don't really like that are just kind of a quick, like humoristic kind of way. So now that I like can see that I can kind of put it in its little, like, I don't necessarily like my instant reactions to things like I'll see people and, you know, same thing. I'll think, um, you know, oh, how come I can't be them or I can be like them, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll convince myself in a way that that's, um, that that might be. And then that fantasy begins. And that's just, um, I have to get myself out of that really quick. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. back to Drifter talking directly to his. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really evolved approach because our 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 drinking self, our our ad our addiction, our addict lives in like the part of our brain that's um subconscious. Yeah. So for us to even hear an addict voice and identify it and go eh, stop right there. That's like the evolved like level of thinking that we've only gotten from right. sobriety, you know, right. because we used to, we used to just be like at the whim of it and we would just do whatever it thought and said yeah. and felt. And we would just, I don't know how I ended up with this glass of wine in my hand. I don't know how I ended up closing the bars. Yeah. I don't know how I woke up in this bed. Like just, <laughs> you just end up. And so for him to actually even like realize it, and like interact with it and just like grab a hold of it and hold it there and interact with it. I feel like it's, that's how you, that's how you nab it. It's a good way to deal with it really. It's a good way to realize it and and deal with it like that. Cause yeah, it's a battle. So it's it's another talk. I might try it next time. Well, so to your point, Elaine, my addict voice, it's me. Yeah. It's, It's like, it's, I haven't read any Eckhart Tolle. My dad always told me I should, I'll start. I'll be running, listening to Eckhart Tolle. And anyway, it's it's like me in a really pretty dress. It's me. It's like it's that Eckhart Tolle thing where like the the um the hero is is fighting the villain and fighting the villain, and finally he goes up to him and he slays him and he takes off the mask and it's him. It's like that. It's like it's it's this other me that's like, look at how wonderful and pretty and alluring and sparkly your life could be. Well, like, and that's, that's what my attic voice is. Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing that should be said about our, the beauties of sobriety and having gone through the the darkness that is addiction or whatever you want to call it and come out um, of this is that 
you know, especially if you are reading things like that, which I highly recommend, like you start to understand that like all this thinking that we have, not just the addict voice, but all of our internal dialogue is our manifested version of ourself, right? It's yeah. like the self identity that we have that sure. just runs our, our lives all the time. Oh it chirps up. We, we think about, you know, it's how we perceive ourselves. It's how, you know, it's that constant thinking. Like I used to, I realize now that I drank so much for many reasons, but also to just quiet down my mind because I had this constant dialogue just going in my head nonstop. And, um, and there's this tremendous desire as human beings, over time to free ourselves of ourselves. And that's yeah. really at the heart of all of Eckhart Tolle's work, where he talks about how, um, you know, we can rise above. And he talks a lot about how as human beings, as self-aware creatures, we are not destined to revert and regress to a state of pre-egoic mind that we uh, our only opportunity is to rise above that, to transcend the egoic mind. But a lot of times in addiction and substance use, our desire is to go below the thinking mind. And that's where we use substances to take our thinking away and yeah. go below the mind. But the monkey as, brain. But yeah, as we start to um as we start to evolve and we start to separate out this thinking self and who we are from who we feel inside that becomes tremendously useful. And really to me, I don't think I would have ever seen and been able to separate if I wouldn't have gone through this process for sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And there's a lot of other places in my life where I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good, you know, with sobriety, but there's a lot of other places in my life where what you just explained is like still kind of a struggle. This closet, yeah. the contents of this closet yeah. are guided heavily <laughs> by that egoic brain of who you think you are out in the world. Absolutely. It's how we form who we are from the beginning of our, as we develop as human beings. And, and um, as you, that's why um, understanding that helps you get to the bottom of the addict voice also, because it doesn't have to be you, you know, it's yeah. just a part of your thinking self that is just yeah. the result of like all the things that inform our, our external experience, you know, totally. So, totally. Yeah. and like that thing about for me, a long time, for a long time in my early, early sobriety, it was so hard to be around other drinkers because I was so fucking worried about what they would think about me not drinking and mm -hmm. what they would how uncomfortable they would feel yeah. about their drinking problem because of my sobriety. And it's like that, that comes from a place of like entitlement <laughs> where mm -hmm. it's like my, I'm going to affect them in such a way, you know, it's like, yeah. that. feel guilty about it. <sighs> oh, Okay. It's a lot to wrap your brain around at first. And I feel like I'm just scratching the surface, but that's what keeps me going, right? The self-discovery. Like yeah. when I think about giving in to the shit that my brain conjures up and it can conjure up some crazy shit, like mm -hmm. it really can, it can live in there. And like you say, like that little thing can just be in there trying to find, oh, it's awful. Yeah. And, um, I can't stand it. It almost makes me mad. I have to like be calm, very calm with it. Simplify things down to the day, just get through the hours because like when I, when it, when it turns on, it's like, I'm, I mean, just recently my husband and I, who are in this 
sobriety journey together, we're walking around a lake and we were both admitting that we were dying for a break from sobriety, kind of like that recovery fatigue that you were talking about, Shiki, kind of like, but can't I move on from this in some way? Does this all have to be the center of my world? And we were saying, oh, well, wouldn't it be nice to have, you know, just a drink? Like maybe we set up some parameter, we take a little break and then we go back to this. And as we were talking just about the logistics of trying to take a break, it became so exhaustive because we were like, well, so do we take a break for a week? Do we take a break? But then, then there'll be like, all this desire to get in all the drinking in in one week or one weekend. And then like, then we'll feel like crap. And then, or do we leave it open-ended? And then we were like, you know, we don't even really want this. Probably. This is just probably some momentary feeling of like, okay, I miss this a little bit. It was gorgeous out. We're watching people left and right. their drinks outside. And we both just decided to take a pause and then it passed. Thank God. (laughs) But don't, I mean, did you guys talk, take a minute to like drill down to like the root of that desire like what what is it that you expect to get out of it like shiki what's that thing where you're like where you're like um take take a note of where you are on a scale of one to ten and then think forward about where you'd be let's say you put a drink in your hand where are you going to be then yeah exactly that's all that i use it's one of my tools if i'm going out somewhere i've been to a festival before uh his laura 83 gave me this tip and he said when you get there just score your mood See how you feel. If you're on a, an eight, an eight's good. Eight's a good mood to be in. It's a good place. And then think about if you was to have a drink, um, where is that going to take you? Is it going to take you to a nine? Is it going to take you to a ten? Is it? Or might it take you to a seven? So when you go, I mean, when I was at a festival, I was right. I'm looking around. Like, hey, I'm on an eight. An eight's good. You start thinking, you know, a night, a drink's not going to really push me to a nine. I'm happy with an eight. An eight's okay. It's all right. Why, why try and chase the nine? Because you're chasing nine and a ten. They'll soon bring you down to a seven or a six or a five. It's going to whatever goes up brings you down. Mm-hmm. And I just think to myself, when I'm at a party, I, not so much now because I'm sort of more experienced now, but I still do use it at certain times. If I feel like I'm in a good mood, I recognise the fact that I'm in a good mood. If I'm enjoying myself at a party, I recognise that I'm, I'm enjoying myself. You know, don't rather than look around and think, oh, I could have a drink now and, and you know, enjoy myself more. As long as you're happy, then why try and chase something that you don't need to chase because you're already happy? that's a gift that you have that's a gift of sobriety where you go i recognize that i'm happy where i'm at that's like a laura mccowan thing where she says sobriety is when you decide to make a home for yourself inside of yourself and you're 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 like inside your own skin and you're going i'm actually really contented yeah Yeah. like who i am and where i am and what i'm at and and you don't need this outward thing like that bag right there (laughs) (laughs) fill the hole in yourself you don't need it to complete you you know that doesn't that doesn't come overnight i mean i don't know about you that took that took me about 10 months to get to that stage and if you listen to this in your your early sobriety don't think oh you know what's happening why why do i not feel like that it's something you've got to persevere with and practice and and keep learning for yourself but it took me i'd say 10 months to get to that stage i'm happy i'm happy i don't need to have a drink now why do i have a drink if I'm already happy, why try and get happier? There's no need to. You look, I'm not crazy. running away from anything and I'm not chasing anything. I think exactly. it goes back to that nostalgia, perhaps for myself. I think it's like the ego loves to live in the past or the future it tends to be. And we mm. so seldom mm. um, yeah. exist in the present. So there's this um desire to re-experience the past. We replay the past. And so for me, like when I think of when I see something, 
I have to recognize that I'm being triggered by a past thing. Like, because if it's Mm -hmm. people sitting by a fire with Chardonnay or something like that, or on a lovely Mm -hmm. deck, or even climbing a mountain with a bottle of Chardonnay, I used to do that shit. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's just my mind's way of of feeling sentimental about all those things, but you're absolutely right, Shiki. Like if I am objective, as objective as I can be about it, I will never improve my mood with booze. I just am too far. I've, I've learned too much now, right? We've all learned too much now. There's no going back. I feel like, and maybe that will be scary to people listening about sobriety that there's no going back, but I do feel like you get to a point where like going back would be absolute madness, you know, be completely counterproductive to everything. What you're saying, the the nostalgic voice, it it reminds you of the good times and it does straight away. Your mind gets suddenly filled with thoughts of good times. Like Mm -hmm. you can picture all kinds of things, like sitting in the garden, drinking the sun, climbing a mountain in a pipe. It only visualizes the good times. It never visualizes the fucking bad times. The time that you're the time that you pissed the bed, the time that you had an argument, the time that you row, the time that you fell over, the time that you cut yourself, the shit times. It never reminds you of the shit times. It only reminds you of the good times, doesn't it? It does that. It's the way, you know what I'm saying? It never reminds you of anything bad. It's always fluffy, wuffy and good, isn't it? It's always the good times, you remember. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so well that's said. That's it. Okay. How do you guys feel about this format? Who, what? When, oh. I don't even know what format we're following. Are we following a format? I feel like we're on the who. Sarah's <laughs> got a silent it? agenda that we're all. I have to have, so I have, to have parameters for things to fit inside. We can't just be willy nilly. Because when you wrote that, I was like, <laughs> what are we doing? What? <laughs> this is when? Like this article we're writing top down, like who, what, when, where, why, how. Yeah. <laughs> like, when does it come to you? Oh, got ya. Like the attic voice who will, ah, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. so we kind I feel like we kind of nailed down who. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Okay, what, what is it? What does it say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like what it says, I think for, for me, and it sounds like for you guys, it's, it's kind of lures you to this fantasy, like outside of yourself is, yeah. I think it draws you away from yourself. It lures you to an escape. Absolutely. I mean, that's what alcohol is so perfect at doing but that doesn't make it a good thing to consume that's what people use it for is that escape hatch for sure for sure uh when when is it when when does it go away when is it most difficult to deal with when does it come to you for me i'd say you know what for me i I find it a lot harder being alone i know i love a lot of people like that but if i'm out i can can, i'm a lot when i'm with other people and socializing uh party wherever I, I'm a lot better at playing the tape forward um, straight away, instantly. If I have a thought of drinking, I see other people drinking, I think, oh, I could have a drink. I'm straight away, my, my playing the tape forward comes in instantly now. Um, I'm happy and I'm, and I'm content. And I sort of make, it's easier when I see other drinkers because I feel more relief that I'm not drinking. Um, so I don't always get that triggered anymore with other drinkers. I, I, I'm more, I'm analyzing. people are repeating themselves. <laughs> exactly right or getting loud or start swearing more or just the whole Mm -hmm. thing of drinking Mm -hmm. and it's sort of productive to see them drink because it makes you not want to drink but for me that makes your question is i find it harder when i'm alone and if my wife goes out um for an evening uh, on a friday night and leaves me at home and the kids are out sort of doing things 
that's when I, when I sit back, that's when the voice says, hey, come on. And that's when I sit back, <laughs> bigger, you know? Mm-hmm. That is when it sort of, it starts, come on, exactly, you're on your own, no one's going to know, you know? Yeah. Not that it matters, no one's going to know, but that's when it comes on a bit stronger. Because um, there's no one to be accountable to. That, that's the thing, you know, if my wife's sitting there, I'm not even going to think about getting a, a drink out because obviously I'm accountable and I, I should be accountable to, my, to myself. Right. So that voice, the voice still doesn't sort of, he still knows you're alone. He's trying, he tries to get you when you're alone. Huh. Oh yeah. I've only had about a hundred different fantasies of driving to the liquor store and getting a wine and just drinking it in my car, like mm. without even doing anything ceremonious. There's mm. some weird inner thing there that, um, because there was a secretive, reclusive component to my drinking in the end because it is everyone yeah 100 yeah. that's when the fun stops when you start becoming reclusive yeah that really is when the fun stops because i was never that reclusive like 20 years ago 10 years yeah. 10 years ago in fact in the last five years i was becoming more and more reclusive when and, and i wanted to drink on my own more and more i'd rather stay in and drink alone and go out and socialize yes. Yeah. defeats the entire object really yep. of, of, of drinking because because you were start- a social drinker you started i'm just a social drinker Ooh, and then alcohol is your best friend it goes you don't need anybody else you got me yeah. oh, yeah. right you're right mm-hmm. um i'm lost <laughs> um no i so think when- that was all really well said <laughs> i think when-, when does it go away when does it get easier anybody i feel like I feel like time and going through all the hurdles, like every single, every single hard thing that I've clawed myself, you know, through has been worth it. And, and, um, they only go away with time. I really feel like there's no magic, you know, formula to make them go away. It's just doing it a little bit more and keeping going and, you know, and, um, eventually they start to fade. At least that's for me. What do you think? Sure. They are, they are fading for sure. Um, but as you said before, I don't think you ever gag them, you know. But hopefully you can. But like, mine's in the cage. Um, but he's still, he's still there and we all know that. It does, without a doubt, get easier. I mean, when you go back, so think about the first week, like day one, day two. <laughs> and I, I, the voice is there constantly. I, I never knew I had a voice. I, I thought I was the only person that had a voice. I thought it was just me. Um, then, I mean, if it wasn't for that app, IAS, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd still be drinking. I'd, I'd never get sober without that. It's not until you go Hell on yeah. there, you know, I sort of day one, two, you know, day, day two, it's like, oh, I've got your little voice, keeps telling him to have a drink. And everyone's saying, yeah, that's the only voice. Like, what, what's that then? Oh, and everyone's got his little voice, you know. And when you understand that you're not alone in that respect, that everyone's got the same sort of a similar kind of voice, you're in the same kind of things going in your head, think, shit, what, it's not just me. I would have yeah. picked up four days in, seriously, I would have picked up three or four days in because I wouldn't have recognised that voice I wouldn't have recognised it I'd have gone I've done well now I've done well for three or four days that's it I'm going to drink and have a good night's sleep I would have quit after four days and have them drinking but because I recognised the voice through what other people had told me and they're going through the same things like right okay that's where the battle is and then I understood that that's where the fight is that's when I picked up my tools and started fighting what I could then recognise and see as a real thing the voice that, that was there that was the battle Without the app, I wouldn't have recognized that and I would have quit. I would have quit quitting four days in. Yeah. Can you talk about when else you've met your addict voice? When else <laughs> you've met the voice? I, f- I found that out quite early, actually. I must have been about, say, two weeks into my cycle, I found this out. I used, as you know, I, I used to be a long distance runner. Um, I, used to, I used to run like at least one marathon a year. 
sometimes two. I mean, the most I've run is five marathons in a year, but I used to do it quite a lot. I used to run for a club. And it wasn't like, a, I wasn't a fun run. I didn't sort of do it in fancy dress or sort of charity occasions just like, or bucket list. I used to run uh, for a club and sometimes we'd run <clears throat> uh, in teams, groups of teams, and we'd be racing against other teams in the same marathon to try and get it to be like a sort of a league table. <clears throat> so it's quite serious. So when I was running marathons, I'm trying to get a time. Um, and when you get to about mile 20, mile 21, all you want to do sometimes is just, is just lay on the floor and die, just collapse, you know, just give up. All you want to do is just stop running. And it's a mental battle to try and put one foot in front of the other. It gets to that stage where your body's just bursting gaskets and you're exploding and you just want to stop. Um, but because you're in a team and you're racing and you've got to get your time, you have to keep going and keep focused and you're mentally focused for your time. But then you've got this little voice in your head, which is, you know, constantly saying, stop, come on, stop. Have a rest. Just, just walk for two minutes. Have a blow. Just have a, catch your breath. Have a little rest and go again. You know, you don't need to get a time. It doesn't really matter. You've done it before. You've got nothing to prove. Just stop. Just stop. And it goes on and on and on and on and on for like for about six miles in your head. And that is a, it's a battle all the time. And it's recognised as well because we, when I was at the running club, all of us had the same voice. Like, like we're talking now, my other running friends, we all had the same voice, the same battle um, that was fighting this voice. It's telling us to stop. And all you want to do is just collapse. Um, so that I've already had experience of dealing with that. It was about, it must have been about, about two or three weeks into my and my first cycle, when I recognised, I thought, hang on, you're the running voice, aren't you? Like, no. <laughs> no. Right? Echo voice. Have, have a drink, I'm the echo voice. No, it's not. You're the running voice. You're the same voice. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm, I'm the echo voice. It's, <laughs> it's the I'm ego. Yeah, I rumbled it. I rumbled it. It was the same yeah. voice in my head that's forcing me to uh, tell him to stop, just trying to get him to drink. It's the same one. And once I recognised that it was the same being, it was the same kind of trying to sort of give you temptation to stop or to drink etc once I recognized that I've dealt with that mile after mile after mile after mile in my running career I've dealt with that so many times once I recognized it was the same kind of voice it did make it a lot easier and I used that as a toolbox for me in my toolbox to deal with it in the same mental ways as I did with running just to overcome it just sort of the willpower to overcome that and be stronger than the voice similar very similar kind of thing anyone that's done running or any kind of endurance sport um, will get that voice when they sort of understand it. Once you can implement the two and use your same tools that you use when you're doing your endurance sport, it does make it a bit simpler. Mm. So Sarah, start running. Yeah, <laughs> that's and a good one. You'll get it. Plus you'll running get it. makes you feel, or exercise makes you feel good. Yeah, if you can quit drinking, you can run a mile. Yeah, <laughs> right. I have a friend who was a raging drinker and now she's a marathon runner she like literally took her addiction and yeah. put it in a pair of running shoes and she's got just like all the medals just hanging and they just jingle and i'm like well you did you couldn't earn those in the bar so yeah, that's the other way around <laughs> yeah i've gone the other way when, when, I, when i was a drinker i was an marathon runner now i'm not a drinker i can't i'm not struggle to run <laughs> <laughs> i've said before in the past there's not one thing in my life that hasn't improved Everything is, has improved in my life, apart from the running. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me why. Don't ask me oh, why. Oh, God. That's another, that's another story together. So, part, move on, move on. I love the analogy, though. I really do. Just like one thing, one foot in front of the other. I mean, it's really what <laughs> sobriety is as well. One, one, yeah. one conquering yeah. thing and then one, one obstacle, one hurdle, one yeah. craving after another. Mm -hmm. you just one minute. Yeah. yeah. 
when yeah. on IAS. So if you if you're not aware, listeners, we're talking about the app. It's called I Am Sober. You find it wherever you find your apps. Find it. Find and it. um find it because it's it it's a world of people who they are your people and it is your place. And I got on it and there was that timer that just says, I've been sober for 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> and the next day it's like, I've been sober for a day and 10 minutes. A big thing. It's a big thing. And you just keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to get another day. And then <laughs> they give you these little, good job. You made it five days. Good job. You made it 10 days. And I, I don't know how I did this, but I like set a timer to find out in my calendar when would be one year, one month, one week, one day, one minute, one second. And I screenshotted it. Nice. And so I have it like one, 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 one. And it's like, that's how it starts. Like you, you save up your sec, you just hang on for that one second and it will become a minute Mm. and you hang on and until an hour and a day and a week and a month and then a year. And you just have to keep telling that attic voice that like, and Elaine, you, I got this from you where you're like, I've tried Chardonnay. <laughs> I've applied Chardonnay to this situation and I know exactly where it gets me. Oh, I've drunk. But I'm going to try a Chardonnay. hundred people's lifetimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're like, I'm going to try sobriety on this one. And so are we at the point where we're ready to talk about like how, how to beat it? How, how we go about it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like we've been Chipping away at it a little bit, but I'm sure we all have our unique strategies. Yeah. They're all unique to all of us because our, our challenges are so unique. Our minds manufacture these in, you know, these unique challenges to ourselves. So they're all going to be different, you know? Yes. Yes. And I'm like, I'm like, so a disciple of Annie Grace, where I believe that our minds are a product of like the media that we are fed and the advertisement and the subliminal messaging that we get about what alcohol, you know, makes us into. And so those things are, they're all, we all kind of have seen the same fucking Super Bowl Bud Lights commercials. Well, maybe not you, (laughs) Shiki. You're not missing anything. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Did you say about like how, what was the question? How are we going to beat it? What are we going to do with it? Yeah, what yeah. Do what do you do? How, how do you deal with it? Right, there's one voice, okay, that we, we've not spoke about, okay? And no he's one got a whip in his hand. You have a fly <laughs> spotter. I, <laughs> I told just... you he's a bad boy. He's <laughs> actually a back scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to beat this attic voice with a back scratcher. Here we go. Oh, that looks so nice. <laughs> I work at a DIY shop. I'm behind my counts and I just picked up a backsplash. I don't know why. <laughs> That's so nice. Okay. Pass right. it to me. Pass it over to me. I need that. <laughs> right. So, yeah, right. How are we going to beat it? Okay. Um, there's, there's one voice, well, one thing no one's really spoken about before. There's one voice, okay. And that's the sobriety voice. Okay. We've all got this voice in our head, the addict voice. Who's mentioned the sobriety voice? Now, the sobriety voice is there 24 7. He's always down. I mean, my sobriety voice talks to me when I go to bed at night. When, when my head hits the pillow, my sobriety voice is like, oh, she's lovely, she's good, she's sober. When I wake up in the morning, my sobriety voice is there. Oh, I'm sober, I'm wait, I'm, this is fresh, I'm great. My sobriety voice is there all the time. Um, you, you thank sobriety so many times. Mm-hmm. The more you can get your sobriety voice in your head working, the clogs rolling all the time, yeah. it's going drown, to drown out the addict voice. So although sometimes thinking about 
sobriety 24-7 can seem like a pain in the ass. It beats the addict's voice. If you can work on sobriety and get your sobriety voice working a lot, basically all the time, it will drown it out. I mean, it's not hardly an hour goes by now. I don't think about sobriety. Not thinking about alcohol, thinking about sobriety and the benefits and the positive aspects of our lives now. Everything, all the time. There's always something, you know, every, there's always something you can think about of sobriety. The minute you stop that sobriety voice is when the addict voice comes back in. It's like in your brain, you've got the little devil horns on the the addict voice and then you've got the, the sobriety voice, the wings and the halo. So just keep listening to the sobriety voice and it will drown out the addict voice. I know I've never spoke about it before. There, there, is, a, there is another voice, sobriety voice. Yeah, fuck yeah. And I think that sobriety voice is gratitude. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm. This is me and my yoga pants over here. That's gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my crystals around and say, yeah. apart from that as well, like I feel like trying to arrive to a place with like no internal voice, like just being happy with being. And like, for me, like I just love uh to get to a spot even just little gaps in my in my thought plan like i'll be thinking 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 what do i to do what do i got going on where's my list do i got and i'll just take a nice walk and i will try to as hard as i can to just i don't even tell myself to not think about it per se it's a weird identity with being like you just feel yourself you kind of like have a meditative moment of like breathing and just trying to not think if that makes sense and you just kind of like appreciate the world that sounds so hippie no girl keep going (laughs) just just look at like like you know you watch the trees you listen to the grass you listen to the birds chirping and for just that little moment your mind is quiet and and you don't have any of that chatter and and then you just start to string those together more and you experience less less talk less and for me like that's like because i feel like my addict voice and my sober voice are like man all the time dueling like you say and so sometimes it's not even like sometimes i just want to be freed from my whole internal dialogue because they feed off of each other you know and so i try to just um be as zen as possible and that's like and for me like that's a um i don't want to sound like a total uh, worshiper of the spiritual realm, but like, I'm trying to understand my, um, uh, my relationships with spirituality and not like necessary, uh, a personified God or whatever, but just my own sense of being in self and connection to something else higher than myself, because that's, that's been helpful and it makes me feel good. So that's, cool. the, it makes me feel calm and at peace. And that's the thing, because, um, I just, man, for so long, there was such inner conflict, you know, all the time with all these thoughts that we have. And I just, I want to be freed of them. If it works, it works, isn't it? That's awesome, Elaine. That's, that's legit. You hippie? Yeah. That's- oh. <laughs> Don't make me bust out the sage over here and get a seance. She is drinking from a water bottle with a crystal in it. I Yeah, but you gave me it though. So. Oh, really? Like, I mean, are we going to trace that? Like, who's the greater hippie? <laughs> uh, um, okay. I want to say that I think um, for me, it comes down to anchoring, which I think I need to go for more walks and get away from my list making. Um, and no, but we need list makers. Uh, it, it helps me. It helps me. But when I anchor like back to myself and even kind of some self-care when I honor like my worthiness, 
it beats the attic voice because the attic voice lives in a place that says, whatever you're doing right now isn't fun, isn't good enough, isn't (laughs) anything enough. What you need is this for you to get more enough. And so if you're kind of in a place where you're like, I'm, then it it kind of makes, it takes a a spot from the attic voice. I also feel like on IAS early on, people were like, just get away from it. Just like clean your house, go out and gardening, go for a run, go shopping, play video games. And that always really bugged me because I believe that any problem needs to be faced head on. And when people go just sort of, run away from your attic voice. I think if you distract and run away from it by busying yourself with chores, it it's just going to chase you. And so you have to like confront it, identify it, identify the triggers, the emotions, the physical sensations, take note of them, tag them for watch to watch for later, be able to turn around and like tell it to fuck off. Yeah. I found which- doing the chores. I found that when I sort of, <clears throat> when I said keep busy, I still do it now. I find it therapeutic. I can yeah. sort of cleanse myself. If I do keep myself busy, I can I can cleanse myself from the brain. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like start doing things and sort of start rethinking things over. I find that that helps anyway. And be right. Eventually, you have got to turn around and just tell it to fuck off. You know, you have got. To, you can't yeah. run away. But I find if I do do things like that in the early days, it was therapeutic. It did sort of try and cleanse it a little bit. Okay, you came back after a while because once you stop working you're back to sitting down and you're back to thinking again but yeah yeah because in the beginning when you're just trying to get as you say from like one second to the next minute to the next hour to the next day it is helpful to fill in that time sometimes but I get your um I get I understand what you're saying Sarah too because um ultimately if you don't address some of the underlying issues they're there you know and they need to have a light shined on them it feels like I don't know if this will relate to anybody, but like, I feel like um, I know that there are people who are very list oriented, very task oriented. They have to do all the time. That's my sister. She can't sit down for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. She is do, 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 do all day. And for me, if I do that, I get overwhelmed. And that is a trigger for me being overwhelmed. um, I will start to look around for ways to self-sabotage because I'm like, oh, I'm doing too much. Give me some relief. Ah, (laughs) So I feel like I have to like almost on the contrary, like simplify my existence by like taking taking less, um, taking more things off my to-do list because I'll find myself getting overwhelmed. And then what happens is if I don't accomplish 20 to-do list items, I feel bad about myself and I feel as though I have failed. And that is what feeds into some sort of like, um, self-sabotage mode where I think I want spiral. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So So like what you just said there, I think I also think that like being able to anticipate what your triggers are and when that addict voice is going to pop up and it's favorite times. And I think that planning events mentally out in your head forward, um, you know, like an event, for example, like, where will you hang out? Who are you going to talk to? What are you going to, that, I think that's like a, that was one of my big ways to beat that addict voice was to just sort of go forward and go, well, when he comes, I'll be ready. I can't go nowhere now. Without, still, I still forward think and forward plan all the time. Doesn't matter where I'm going. I have to. I have to stop, pause, and quickly think about where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. 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 Done. 
I have to think about it first. I can't mm-hmm. just go anywhere and like on a whim. I have to, but even if I, if I do go on a whim, I have to suddenly just pause and stop and think momentarily. Like done. I've got to work out who I'm going to talk to, what I'm going to do, and see how I'm going to act in my head before I go somewhere. That's still the same. Totally. And then my last thing is that like the addict voice lives in a place, just like we said, kind of a place of fantasy and a place that's outside of yourself. And so if you can really think logically and drill back down to yourself, for me, I always talk about this trip. I went on a trip to Mexico when I was like four months sober. I don't know, nine. I should do the math sometime. So I can, every time I tell this fucking story, I can have an actual number. (laughs) I was super tempted to drink because I was at an all-inclusive resort where people were giving me free alcohol and I didn't know anybody. I was in a foreign country. And what I did was I just said, it's just going to give you anxiety. It's Mm -hmm. just going to make you a worse mom. It's going to make you forget this expensive vacation you just paid for. It's going to make you full of stress tomorrow. It's going to make you lose your keys and lose your purse. Like I just kind of found this like logic to just sort of beat it back with. It was like, this isn't real. This is a sham. It's going to make everything worse. Yeah, absolutely. And I had to keep doing it. But mm-hmm. it worked. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep working on it. You got to keep doing that kind of thing. Playing it forward in your head is the key. You got you to keep doing that. Yep. Yep. So anything else? I just love talking to you both. I feel like we should have Shiki on often. Do you want to come over to Colorado and come on. visit us? Sarah on, and I are about two, three hours apart, but. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Take you up on the mountains. No Chardonnay. We'll take you up there. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk so much shit all day. Yeah. So, listeners, if you liked this, we've got another one coming. We're going to do the what? Should I say it? Can I say it? Huh? What? Oh, I thought you were trying to tell me not to say it. It's like the drum roll. We're going to do. Oh, there you go. So we're going to do another episode with Shiki. It's coming up in the near future. We're going to do uh, the quotes that saved us. The quotes, the quotes, quotes are the boat on which I float. Oh, it's true. I have a whole journal. I have a whole box this big in this closet over here with journals from when I was like nine years old. And I've been doing quotes in them for, we could do, we could spend a week. Well, we're going to do a whole episode on like the sobriety quotes that like, yeah, that keep us going, that fuel us, that got us through, and the ones that keep us going even now. And I just, it was Shiki's idea. He's like our unofficial sober baddie, sober baby, <laughs> so sober bad boy. Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> bad boy. <laughs> <laughs>